Okay, so in this episode I'm talking to Kyle, who's a friend of mine from playing rugby, and we're going to talk about what an electrical engineer does all day. Is this your first job out of uni, or did you do something before? Um, no, this is my first job straight out of uni, yeah. Okay. Yeah, straight from uni into into this. Okay, so my, I assume because you're working in electrical engineering, that means you finished off studying electrical engineering? I studied architectural engineering. Okay. Um, which is, it was more mechanically biased, the degree, um, and a lot of um, sort of sustainability aspects to the degree as well, okay. which it, it just sort of gives you a more back, a more, a, a greater background into engineering. And then you pick your specific engineering discipline after uni really okay as in like so you started uni doing architectural engineering or you chose it later on which no that's that's all i did throughout all of uni was architectural engineering huh, okay that's a bit different i've never actually heard of that although i never actually looked into doing a degree in scotland at any point so i guess <laughs> i would have never stumbled across it but Okay. It, it used to be called building services engineering and then they took more architectural elements into the degree to give the engineer more of an understanding of how services work in a building aesthetically and and um scientifically i guess okay so like so from the beginning the focus was definitely on kind of buildings rather than doing anything with like aircraft or like cars or anything like that yeah yeah so the the, the whole degree is is all about buildings rather than sort of where mechanical engineering as a degree it's the specific rotors in a car or a specific massive rotors in a dam or that sort of thing and then electrical engineering as a degree is more suited towards electronics and a lot of more in-depth stuff that I will learn more in the industry once I get the background of how a building works with psychology and all sorts. Okay, so I assume you work with loads of other kind of engineering based people. Um, have most of them come from kind of, I guess, what I consider like the classic programs like mechanical engineering or electrical or is like the company you work for are they actually looking for people who've had like more of a building building focus to their degree? Um, there's so there's all sorts of en engineers in my company. There's civil, structural, mechanical, and electrical, as well as public health and um, sustainability engineers, and so on. Um, each one could have any sort of background. I mean, we we have apprentices that have to that go through their degrees at whilst at work um, and that's a building services degree rather than a solely mechanical or solely electrical um, when you say apprentices are these people who are like have just like kind of left school yep okay so they've got some kind of work with your company but they're also doing a degree is that right yeah yeah so they, they're only doing a degree one day a week so okay. it takes about five years to do a three-year degree in England. Okay. Um, I have, I've never actually heard of that, but that sounds like quite a good idea. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, you're, you're getting paid and your fees are getting paid. So it's 
it's pretty good in that aspect. I'm I'm talking to my um, apprentice. It sort of makes me a bit jealous that he's doing that route because I would have much preferred that route. But then at the same time, I still had a lot of fun in university. Yeah, there's always, there's always the, the trade-off is that everyone pretends they're going to university for all of this high academic study and that's absolutely not why people are going to university. <laughs> um, although whether they'll change their minds about that next year when they can't do all the fun stuff and they can only do the study part, I, I could see a program like that being a lot more a, attractive. Yeah, yeah. And cool. what's better is a company can kind of mould their apprentice and our employee how they perform and how they work in the industry yeah I, I i can see the appeal of that and also sort of mental noting to myself to tell my students about that because i know <laughs> i know loads of them who are kind of like you know they decided they want to get involved in engineering but i just never heard of that um, mm. but i think all of them just basically assume that they should go to university do engineering and then something will happen afterwards i don't I don't know. Maybe maybe they know more than I do about this and have looked into it, but I don't think so. Nah, the, 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 I mean, to be honest, I didn't even know it existed until I went into the industry, but I had quite a closed mind with working because when I started, it was, I need to get into university. That's, that's the only thing that I can do because that was more push from my parents. Mm-hmm. Whereas if you have a more open attitude towards it, then you, you'll be able to find things like apprenticeships and these sort of programs that are within and it's not on-site apprenticeships it's it's in an office doing design work rather than doing fitting and so on yeah i think because that's what most, when you say apprenticeships with people most people in their head have like people training to be an electrician or you know, like those very like practical kind of based things but yeah that's cool right. okay so kind of so that that was your route into it so once you've like what when you first started working for the company like what kind of things were you doing um so essentially from some like i said the the degree was such a a a base rather than anything else even though it's weird saying that a four-year degree in scotland with a master an extra year for the masters so it's five years of studying was just a base (laughs) and going into the office it's just you start fresh and okay. it's just learning from there so my first thing was doing basic lighting designs and um on the Falkland Islands for a an oil company which was quite interesting that was done as like a training thing or that was actually for real happening that was for real. So straight away, like you'll be working on on real projects, and if you're not, then that'd be a bit strange because the best way to learn in engineering is to do a project, and then there's someone more, like helping you through it. Through it, so it's the best way of learning. Otherwise, you're going to be sitting learning more theoretical stuff rather than doing the practical. Okay. Yeah. Did you? So you were actively designing it, but were you actually working with the people who were actually building it? Because in my head, I'm going to like, you're on day one and you're like, oh, I'm designing this lighting. Someone comes to you with a question and you're like, I, I don't know. I, this is my first day. <laughs> so the, a lot of our stuff is done at um, from concept stage of a building to 
um, till beyond uh, construction. Uh, so this part of the project was just concept. So it was what um, you would call is Reba stage two. Um, and what does, sorry, what does that sounds like industry jargon? What does that mean? Yeah, so Reba stage two, Reba is the Royal Institute of Brit British Ar British Art uh, Royal Institute of British Architects. Okay. Um, and there's seven stages in a construction program. Stage one is is almost just a scribble on a piece of paper to say this is what I want, blah 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 blah, and that's mostly driven from the architects and the client. Um, okay. That's more the traditional route. Um, stage two is the concept stage, um, and that's more getting into depth of what a building is going to be used for, what, how many occupants are going to be in there, and that sort of thing. Stage three is a bit more, um, is a bit more. MEP, um, MEP, so MEP is Mechanical, Electrical and Public Health and so I'm trying not to use jargon that I would, I would usually use. It's like it's so hard when, like, I remember um, like when you hang out with any group of people who are in a job you just sit there going like they could be speaking another <laughs> language to me right now like what the, what on earth is this but yeah okay yeah okay um, um so uh, hang on let me check I've got the so far so you draw things on a back of an envelope and go yeah this seems like a good idea so people come in and actually go, yeah, but what, what things do we actually need to make sure that there are? And then you're starting to think of like, is it safe? Is this environmentally friendly and those kind yeah. of things? That's where we're yeah. at so far. So yes, yeah, so that's stage okay. three, a lot of like the fire engineers come in and they do their assessment of the building. Um, I would, I personally would come in at stage two usually to say this part of the building would need X amount of lighting in there for the occupants to work um, well and not get sick from building sickness or um, this cable would need to come in from a substation down the road and come in through this part of the building and that uh, if it goes anywhere else it's going to have problems and more cost impacts. Um, and it's more kind of making a, a rough estimate of what is going to be the best solution with environmental cost and social impacts with that building and then stage three is a more like developed design and that's when you start designing major cable runs and given each zone or room of a building more of a, a detailed um, design with the lighting with the environment in there and how it's how the occupants are going to be behaving in there so a lot of it is is psychology and buildings and how how the lighting may affect a, per, a person and a person's workability in there this sounds like a great opportunity for a tangent but like so presumably as part of this you've had to learn some stuff about like how humans behave in rooms and stuff like what uh, interesting insights can you uh, share with what people do that i don't know about the the, the key the, some of the things that uh, were taught to me in university was um even with shops they have different colors of lighting so that you have um or then the, the color schemes in the kelvin um Oh, I, I forgot the name for it. It's, it's measured in Kelvin. So you have 2700 Kelvin for a warmer light. 
which is more of a yellow light, and then 4000 Kelvin for a, a whiter light, a bluer light. Oh, because you need different temperatures to produce the, diff the actual yes. different wave. Okay, that makes sense. Um, and the so different so for example Primark they have a much bluer light and that ha sort of um, encourages a different sort of age range to come in there and is more Primark is more available to any age range because it's very easy to see in a bluer light whereas a a, a more yellow a warmer light or yeah a warmer light a more um, a warm white is quite is calmer. You you want to go slower, and it's sort of so I, I can't remember the name of the uh, quite a lot of shops, more expensive shops. They'll have people taking their time in the stores and have <clears throat> apologies. They have. Um, people taking their time in the stores and they have slower music to make people just sort of meander looking at their the products and to get people to buy more things in that sort of way whereas Primark um, they'll have a whiter a, a more blue light to make people see more things and quickly rush to things and get to the tells quicker or for example McDonald's they'll have slow music when it's quiet okay, people yeah. will eat like slower and then they'll have faster music when it's busy okay. so then you eat quicker to get more customers through the door oh, yeah, that, yeah, that will make complete sense but yeah you're just like yeah i mean i haven't really been paying attention but now i'll go in and try and do the opposite of what the music is doing because <laughs> i just enjoy being contrarian <laughs> <laughs> When, when you were mentoning that, I was immediately thinking of like Hollister, where it was like they have lighting to make sure you can't see anything. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Genuinely, can cannot see anything in those stores. But uh... yeah, so that that was one of the case studies that we looked at in university. So and then we had a psychology teacher take us through different sort of feelings and what sort of colors, like paint colors, make people feel within a building and how you would feel with services being on show and because it gives it a more industrial feel and you're at, at a place of oil industry or you're in a factory because you see loads of services but then currently it's more of a hipster thing to see loads of services inside of a cafe or something like that. head so say you're like doing the lighting for an office like, compared to maybe like the lighting for where people live I guess I'm thinking in my head that maybe if you're designing a house you maybe want it to be more like promote like a more relaxed kind of environment in an office you want people like coming in and not being relaxed and like working so like what kind of difference would you make with that with an office you still need to have a balance of people wanting to come into the office and wanting to work and wanting to produce um, items. Like, for, for example, right now I'm working on an office building and it's and it's, a, it's showing the services, but then a lot of the services are behind acoustic panels. And so you'll, it's, it's, got an, it's got an industrial feel, but it's not um, to the point that it's fully exposed. Um, 
but then you want them to be comfortable within the building because if you get if a building is poorly ventilated or poorly, poorly lit and you're in there seven and a half hours of a day maybe longer you will start to get symptoms of a cold and it starts to make you feel really rubbish inside that building and you don't want to be there so it's more of a mixture of trying to get full um full i forgot the word for it full work out of your workers but at the same time not making them feel rubbish inside of a building and not wanting not wanting not making them want to stay at home and not go into work and Well, I think we just finished stage three. So yeah. what comes after that? So stage four is detail design. And that's um, just a more in-depth stage three. And you get um, rooms that are, have appliances like lighting fixtures. And it has sockets on the wall. It has switches on the wall. And it has um, more detailed cable runs and so on. And that's more getting towards giving it to a contractor and letting them install it. So then as a designer, you're taking all the the responsibility that the cable runs work. You're taking responsibility that the building load as a whole works on the, the um, high voltage network. Um, like electrical power, not like physical load right yeah 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 that's the structural engineer's job rather than an electrical engineer yeah yeah okay um, so it, it, so is it the so you are two to four like kind of your main domains of working and then the other ones are kind of other people's jobs or does it not work like that um so you have teams of and so this building that i'm working on at the moment is it's got an architect an architectural assistant, um, me as an electrical engineer, a mechanical engineer, has got a structural engineer, a public health engineer, and a has got the contractor because of the contract we've got lined up. The contractor who is um, the people installing the building or building the building, uh, they are involved from the concept stage, which is kind of um, non-traditional, but it's, it's working out quite well. Um, and we have, so the contractor is the client representative at the moment as well. Um, so usually they're, they're the ones that are bringing in client engagement. So we're actually doing what the client wants. Um, and then we're then we'll might have some manufacturers come in and give their point of what their product can do and how it might be installed and how um because in some like for example this building that i'm doing it's gonna have prefabricated 
risers. A riser is where services rise from the ground floor up to the roof or up to higher levels. And they're put in and they, they can be very full of equipment and they're building all the equipment in one long riser from the ground to the roof. And they are sort of lowering it down from a big crane through the roof once the structure is built and they're putting it through a hole in the roof and then installing it into the building, which is it's not a normal way of doing it, but it's, it seems to have a massive cost saving. Okay. Yeah. Because I, I used to live in East London where like they're building like everything there and you like you'd see them there. I thought it was really cool. They basically had these molds that they would come around with. So they basically have a lift mold that they started with and then they just poured concrete into it and a few days later they're like, Oh look, we've got a lift shaft and then <laughs> they would then have a mold for something that like the bits that go around it and it was just like, Huh, this is basically like pottery now. It's <laughs> yeah. the, the 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 most fun one the fun part of a building to watch is a a concrete structure being built like there's an office being built next to my office and it's it's quite bad because my productivity has dropped because i'm usually looking out the window when, I, when i'm in the office watching them build this, this this structure and it just goes up so quickly as well with with concrete but yeah the worst if you run an engineering office, your nightmare, biggest nightmare must be that there's a building site outside the windows of the office, like for your, your worker productivity, because they're all just like, oh yeah, that thing that I'm doing is just, is happening over there and they're doing it wrong. Yeah, yeah, the, the, the worst thing is, is the, for the site of having an engineering office next door. And what's worse is that we're doing aspects of that site for the design, we're doing the structural design for it. And, um, there's a lot of, because if no matter who it is, part of the public, anyone, they can send an email to a construction site to say, you aren't doing this quite right. Um, but we've, we've been sending reports of, we've seen this and like a health and safety violation. And in some ways it's, it's quite, it's, it is really good for the, for the site because it's keeping them in line and it's making sure that it's done correctly. Inbox every day and just be like, what, what have what are those annoying people said now? <laughs> what did we do wrong today? <laughs> yeah, I can't okay. imagine what they must think of us. <laughs> okay. So if we could kind of get into a bit more kind of because I guess we've talked kind of generally about the kinds of things that you'd be doing, but actually getting into you go into the office on a given day, like what kind of things would you be? Well, I mean, at the moment, you're probably not going into the office because we're all still working from home and stuff but like what are you going to an office like what kind of things on a would you be doing on a typical day if there is one it's it, it does vary a lot um no day is sort of the exact same uh, it kind of depends on what project you're working on um if you're doing just a solely design project and that's it then each day you're going in doing a cable calculation to make sure uh a cable will be able to fit inside the building and have the correct voltage going down all the way and there's no and you, you won't need a thicker cable and you do lighting design and making sure there's enough lux in inside of a room to for someone to work in or for there's different sort of standards of 
um, what is needed inside of what kind of room, if I'm making sense. Um, then another type of project um, that I've worked on, I was based on site. I was doing project management and that was on an airbase. So those um, those fighter jets flying over, doing on going on different sort of test runs and so on, and just working in the office, watching like how making sure everyone's sticking to a construction program and they're producing their designs to us as the client representative to then give to our engineers in the office to then not mark that's the wrong phraseology it's essentially marking and making sure pretty much yeah so we we would use a red pen or just like a red marker on a pdf exchange and just say this is wrong or this is right this doesn't meet the criteria of um what the client wants or this doesn't meet British standards and it doesn't meet building regulations and so on. So then, and then we give it back to the, the contractor on site and then they give it back to their designers to then give it back to us. And then eventually a building gets built on site and you, you're sort of monitoring how it's been built, making sure it's meetings, um, health and safety regulations and environmental regulations and, that, that sounds to me like... So even in the process of building, you basically will end up with parts where it's kind of has to stop and all of these different processes are going on and things being passed around before you can then kind of continue and with the project. Is that right? Yes and no. It depends on what contract you have set up for that building. So sometimes a contractor might what's called working at risk and that means working at risk of getting it wrong essentially um but they'll sometimes build something that they know is right and then the consultant will sign off and be like yeah that is right and give it back to the contractor um but then that does leave the possibility that they're wrong or the consultant is wrong in the original um design and then that opens up a whole can of worms. Um, the things you wouldn't know until you actually get to the point where you're trying to actually assemble the thing and then discover all of these problems that haven't been thought of. Yeah, but then that, that then goes into project learning and you learn about that thing that has happened and then the next project you work on, you're like, this has happened previously. How can you guarantee this won't happen in this one? Oh, so that is that something that's kind of in your company after a project going, oh, okay. Um, yeah, yeah, okay. yeah. I mean, I guess it makes sense because it would save a load of time in a, in a future project. So it seems like a logical thing to have. But. Yeah, yeah. Even after each design stage within some, in a design program, you have a lesson learned section just to say this process for getting information to, because there's loads of people within this design program I'm working on and loads of different offices within it. And we need to make sure we're getting all the information through everyone. And that's a big roster. And to be able to do that, you need to make, and in some cases we've done it well, some cases we really have not. And it's just ways of learning how we haven't done it well and improve on it. 
just kind of, I guess, my impression from listening to what you're talking about, it it seems to me, maybe I've got this wrong, that quite a lot of the time, like, let's say you're in the office, you're kind of working on your own stuff. It's not, because, um, like, in, as in, when I talk to people in other industries, they spend loads of time in, like, meetings discussing things. So the work tends to be very, like, collaborative most of the time. Um, but it sounds a bit less like that for you. Is that right? Um, again, uh, uh... It varies because on, when I was working on site, that was all project meetings and it was, I got no personal work done at all. And it's one meeting to another meeting to another meeting. And then you have a meeting about meetings and <laughs> that sort of thing. Um, then what I'm doing at the moment is a lot more you do. So I, uh, my job title is electrical building services engineer. So I am or a graduate electrical building services engineer. So I'm still very low in the pecking order. So then my job is just pretty much just straight engineering rather than any project controls. Project controls is more to do with um, having collaborative meetings with the client and with architects. I mean, I still still do meet with architects because I'm the one doing the work rather than the face. Sorry, I thought you the, 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 the implication was that architects don't do any work. But okay. oh, no, no, <laughs> the, the architects do loads of work. It's, it's more just like higher up, higher up um, people within uh, companies. They'll do a lot of the essentially negotiations and making sure everything lines up with the contract and there are a lot of con- contractual talks. So then it's more anything you say is like more legally binding okay yeah so that because that job sounds like what what higher up in the company sounds quite different is it a normal thing that they are people who used to be like and maybe not in that company but like engineers in a company or is it that they all come in from other industries because they have run products and sold things to people like would would getting to that job be kind of a natural progression for your work or not yeah, yeah, it, it would. It's completely uh, up to myself of what route I want to take. Um, I could go up to managerial sort of things and do um, project management, but on the design side, rather than the um, the project management that I was doing, which is on site and for a, a construction project management uh, role. It's more of a... Um, higher level design essentially but then you're still doing managerial stuff because you're um taking your resource slash engineers and apprentices and senior engineers and so on you're making them do the work and saying this is what i need you to do okay but i guess so that i guess that's kind of one possible route you can go down so like let's say you're more interested in the actual engineering aspect of the job is there kind of like a different pathway that you can go on or do you kind of just stay doing the engineering and don't really like move up yeah so you you could yeah i mean you'll take on more responsibility so i'm working towards being a chartered engineer which is my next progression thing which is um a couple more years away but it's more getting experience so then you could be um have an interview and give a report over to the chartership body 
who are called SIBSI, Chartered Institute of Building Services Engineers. And it's that then allows for you to get insurance on a building to say that you know what you're talking about. You can do a project and sign things off on that project yourself. Whereas right now I would need to do the design, give it to my manager, get them to look at it, sign it off, give it, and then make sure it gets approved through the company. Okay, I, I'm glad you brought that up actually, because that was one something I wanted to ask about. So I remember when I was going around on university open days, it would be blah, 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 chartered engineering, blah, 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 chartered engineering. And it, it, for some reason they gave the, they gave the impression it must be really important because they all kept going on and on and on and on about, but in reality, what is the, so you mentioned that it's about, it gives you a bit more um, ability to kind of sign things off, but does it have any other importance? Does it mean you get paid more? Does it mean you can get other jobs more easily? Like what, why is it considered such a big deal that they, they go on about it all the time? So internationally, uh, a chartered engineer has more prospect. Like you can go to New Zealand and be like, I am a chartered engineer. So it's easier to get a job sort of thing. Okay. Um, but then you do get paid more, you get more responsibility in the workplace and um, you're able to progress faster with, with a bigger jump. But then that's not saying that you need to do it. There's like, I'm, I'm not, it's more of a, it's more of a company perspective of being like, you need to do it because it's better for their insurance. Okay. Yeah. Whereas if you don't want to do it, if you don't want that responsibility on your shoulders and you just want to do just all design and or engineering, then you can do that route. You can, and you can move up the same way. It might take slightly longer, but you're just doing engineering and that's it. Okay. Uh, that makes sense. Um, and is the process of getting it more of a, a paperwork exercise or does it, how, how does the fact you're working towards it kind of change what you are actually kind of doing with your work? Um, it's more picking up um, different types of projects and also making sure I meet So to be a chartered engineer, you need to meet a sort of list of skills of what engineering skills you've met and how you've met it and you write that in a report so for example you need to do some project management you need to do some um project cost controls if that if that makes sense so it's more managing resource and saying um for example i'm going to be doing that with the next project that i'm working on because i've spoken to my manager and we've said that that's what is going to be best to then work on that engineering skill. Mm -hmm. So I'm going to be managing him for his resource and uh, my apprentice and saying, my apprentice is going to be working on this or my manager is going to be working on this. But then my manager will st still take the responsibility for it because he, he's the one that needs to. Yeah, he pays more. Yeah, <laughs> but, it's, uh, but it's more getting the experience to say, I've done that. I can do that. Okay. So that kind of leads into another question I had. So how much 
individual choice do you have over like the projects you end up working on? Um, what do you mean sorry okay so if you're okay so if you're going to end up with a chartership and you kind of need to end up with you know all of these different skills does that mean you you actually as a person in the company can have some input on what you're going to be actually doing on projects or even for which projects you end up working on right um yeah so it's it's completely up to yourself on the project you what sort of project you want to work on because there's so many different types of clients we have. So we have, we might have um, parts of the government that we're working on and some people don't necessarily agree with parts of the government. So then they say they don't want to work on that project and that's completely fine. They can work on more commercial stuff or there's other projects within the company you can go work on. And that that's one of the benefits of working for a larger consultancy because um, you could be pulled onto a resource for a, an office in Newcastle or Sheffield or Wales somewhere or Scotland. Would that mean you ended up having to travel there a reasonable amount if you did or not? No, because a lot of it is done over the internet anyway. Um, it's mostly all online. Okay. You don't. Uh, yes, you might need to do a site visit. Um, but it depends on what stage of design you're at, really. Okay. Um, so um, we're not going to get into like what the company is that you work for, but you mentioned that consultancy. Is that like what the company would call itself? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, okay. And so, and how would that be different to? I'm, I'm just trying to think of. I guess, okay, so in my head, like a classic engineering type company would be like working for Rolls-Royce or, you know, that, that's the one that comes off the top of my head anyway. How would being a consultant be different to that? A consultant is more independent to manufacturers. Manufacturers, yeah, they know their product really, really well. And they know their um, competitors really, really well because it's their job to, it's, it's in their best interest to know their competitors. Whereas... A consultant will not have or shouldn't have uh, a tie to a manufacturer. So then they'll be able to have any manufacturer work on a project or install their product into a project. Um, that way it's more impartial as a consultant. So then you're given the best thing for a building or the best thing in terms of engineering rather than saying, with Rolls-Royce, yes, they have amazing cars, but Bentley also have amazing cars, sort of thing. Okay. And as, as an engineer, you'd say, well, this one has this good thing, this one has this good thing, but then also there's this Ferrari that has this good thing. Okay, so it's almost like a consultant's kind of like the level above and just goes, okay, so for this project, we're gonna get this we're going to buy in this product from this company, but for this one, we're going to use this one because it's better for this. Okay. That, that yeah. makes sense. Okay. So I guess those are the kind of the, the, the things that I wanted to get into. Um, what would be quite useful? So I have a, a final couple of questions would be, um, what is something about your job that people just wouldn't know because they haven't done it, uh, that you think is worth sharing? Um, 
quite a lot of it I have covered. Um, I think the the possibility for international travel and seeing sites, um, even nationally, going to different building sites and different um, parts of the government that you might work with, or parts or different types of client you might work with, work with, that you, I didn't think that I would be working with in uni or even at school. But now I get to, I've found a whole like for personal things like looking at planes and seeing how interesting they are because I've started seeing them more often in some of the sites I'm going to. Um, and I think the most interesting part of it is just seeing how buildings work in a much greater detail like you can never look at a building the same and you like whenever I walk into a cafe or a shopping center it's just looking straight up at the surfaces to see what's up there and how it's working and what's connected to and my partner just gets quite annoyed because I just stop and look up and she keeps trying to push me along and trying to get me to do the thing we're out there to do. I kind of feel like that's something that goes goes along with most jobs, that there's these things that just annoy the hell out of people yeah. who don't understand. That's <laughs> <laughs> just part and parcel of it, I guess. Um, okay, cool. Um, if that's it, we can uh, wrap that up there. Okay, so that wraps up this episode. I hope you found that interesting, and do tune in to the next one.